somebody on an interesting day will be talking about my my master, uh, Sadhguru Sadkeshavadas. We can turn the, the volume down just a little bit. It's the small dial. So, bit by bit, you'll hear some first-hand accounts. Uh, you have to excuse me. The bo this body is a little bit tired. I, uh, I've had to work extremely hard the last uh, few weeks. So it's been 14-hour days for well, about three weeks. So the body is a little tired. But um, it's a little bit difficult to talk about my master. Uh, because I can say um, the words um, wonderful, magnificent, splendid, sacred, unbelievable, <laughs> astounding. And even saying those types of adjectives <clears throat> doesn't describe what he is what he was, what he is presently. Uh, these are uh, these are souls that are um, that we can barely conceive of. We can only grasp a thread of what they are. They're that big. They're that sanctified. If you could imagine, just using different cultural references. The inner essence of the heart of Jesus, the inner essence of the heart of Buddha, you know, the inner essence of the heart of Prophet Muhammad, uh, the inner essence of uh, uh, Sri Krishna. That's what these masters are. That's what Sadhguru Sankeshavad is. is. If you could grasp even a fraction of that, if, if you were to... Uh, look into the light of the sun. Let's say you were just a hundred miles away from the sun. <laughs> Can you imagine the, the magnitude of, of force, the magnitude of light that you would have to experience? The magnitude of divine natural force? I can, I can testify personally that that's only a minuscule fraction of what they are. It's just a, it's just a tiny fraction of, of what they are. So it's very uh, easy for people not to recognize such souls. You know, where where did you have that kind of context in in normal life? We don't. We have no reference point. So when when these masters pass through, they, they pass through wearing the common garb, the common frame of a human being, but they're certainly not that. <laughs> they're not that at all. You know, these are uh, <coughs> more than gods walking amongst us, but they live uh, profoundly human lives not because of that's what they are. 
that is the theater that they manifest so that we feel comfortable. <laughs> so that we have a, a reference point. So they'll eat, they'll drink, they'll walk, they'll catch coals, they'll marry, they'll have children. They'll live just like us with all the travels and difficulties of life so that we have a reference point so that we can say he's like me he has joy he has suffering he has children he has responsibilities he's like me we have a reference point the the saints are uh, the saints in particular, the path of the saints in particular, make these souls, part of their mission is to be profoundly accessible. There's many uh, uh, yogis and masters and swamis who are more reclusive. They live up in the mountains or hidden in the caves. Yogis and avaduts and munis and various types of sages, Rishi. But um, the saint has a very particular mission. The, the saints, uh, part of their mission is to live amongst us, to stand with us, to walk with us, to eat with us, to laugh with us. And in times of sorrow, to stand with us and hold us. Very, very unique mission that the masters have, that these particular saints have. You have two grand traditions. One is the tradition of the saints, and the other is the tr tradition of the sannyasi. Saints are amongst us. The sannyasi is a bit more recluse. They're working on their, their personal practices from time to time. Of course, they'll give Dharma talks, but not as accessible. In just generally speaking, generally speaking, not absolutely, generally speaking. But with the saints, the saints will live in your village. You can pass by their home any day. You can sit for tea with them any day. See, extremely accessible. So, the world is never without saints. Heaven has uh, made sure that such souls would always be present. So that, that anyone who would say a sincere prayer, something from their heart, one way or the other would be able to have some association with the saints. It even goes further than that. If you have one person in a family say a sincere prayer, God, please show me the way. Please give me guidance. Please have some soul clarify my vision. That, that prayer that that one individual said will bless, will bless the entire family. Because of that one sincere prayer, an entire family will be blessed. Okay? That not only that soul will meet 
that saint, but that entire family will now have a connection to that saint. The difference between the saints and humans, humans is a very fickle condition. We're up, we're down, we're yes, we're no, we're maybe. That doesn't exist in the saints at all. The, the saints come with one pure mandate, you know, to serve, to help, to lift, to introduce each, each individual and the society that they're in to the kingdom. To, to bring true mysticism to their hearts, which means, is <clears throat> another way of saying, uh, to bring true, direct, personal intimacy with God. That's what the saints will do. If, with your association with them, you will have true, direct, personal, intimate experience with God. This will happen to every soul that is sincere. Every soul that is sincere. If you're not sincere, the Guru will bless you lovingly, serve you tea lovingly, and off you go. You know, because you're not asking for the kingdom. He can't offer what you're not asking for. So he'll give you something simple and a kind word. And off you go. My master in particular, uh, Sadhguru Sankeshavadas, uh, his liberation came ages ago, ages and ages ago. This is my master here, Ramakrishna. Uh, when we say liberation, what that means is that you're finishing your evolutionary arc. See? So a liberated soul has gone through the entire evolutionary arc of, of manifestation and is finished and becomes a living embodiment of the will and the way of God. There's, there's perfect, uninterrupted communion. They are virtually an expression of God embodied. These are extraordinary, extraordinary, extraordinary beings. They're, they're not really human beings. They're <clears throat> embodied, but their consciousness dwells in the infinite. And they subject themselves to the finite <laughs> for our benefit. Because we, we're lost here. We have confusion here. We have suffering here. We have no straight vision here. So. They come to make straight what's crooked, to make clear what's hidden. See? They come here as the wind in our sails to lift our evolution. See? So as a, a young man, my Guruji Sadhguru Sankeshavdas was in a little village in South India, Bhadragiri, a small village. As there are many still there, many still little tiny villages. And he was born as a young child, as, as every other child. 
from a very uh, devout parent. And he had a very unique experience. Until the age of 11, he was a young boy, like all young boys, devotionally by nature, but out playing and doing all the things that a young boy does. You know, helping the parents, playing with their friends, going to school. But one day, as he was walking, heading back to the village, he was 11 years old. A great manifestation of light appeared. That manifestation of light was Vishva Vittala, Pandaranga Vittala. It means that God, the God of light. Absolute light, absolute purity, absolute sanctity. So that reality took a manifest form and appeared as a great pillar of light. And from that pillar of light, it was said, Hey, you young boy, sing my name. In this age of Kali Yuga, you were born to sing my name, lift the suffering of the souls, the tuster, and the light disappeared. And from that moment on, my master had full recall of all of his private, previous saintly births. And from that, master, from that moment on, he was restored, full mastery, came again. First period, first 11 years, normal good boy. And then from 11 on, the reawakening of all the saintly lives that he's had. He had been liberated prior to that, but it was held, his knowledge of it had been held back. And then full light again. Extraordinary. So he was born July 22nd, 1934, so a little bit, little bit of time ago. But again, he's our contemporary. In his life, um, you know, he touched thousands and thousands and thousands of people. With, with each person that he touched, and literally it's thousands and thousands, tens and tens of thousands, he had full knowledge of each individual and all of their karmas and what it would take for them to take their next step towards sanctity. See? You sort of, your whole karmic portfolio was immediately present to him. This shows sort of the uh, very intimate and detailed uh, treatment that God gives each soul. Where when you stand in front of a master or stand in front of a liberated saint, there's full intimacy. He knows you completely. He understands you, understands you completely. And even 
more interesting in a way. There's no judgment. So there's no fear, there's no shame on your part. You know, sometimes we did a little mischief here and there, and we're not that proud of it. But from the master, they just see like a child who's fallen down and scuffed their knee or rolled around in the mud a little bit. So like the mother bathes the baby, patches it up, gives it advice, kisses it, and all is restored. <laughs> see? There's no recrimination, no bad baby, no, nothing like that. It's just a, a mother's embrace and clean, cleaning up a little bit. <laughs> so it, it's profoundly sweet, profoundly sweet. You know? It's the master itself and it's God itself. It, the master or the saint is a, is a union between the infinite and the finite in one manifestation, present. So, to say something to my Guruji and to say something to God virtually is the same thing. Because there's nobody in there but God, you know? There's just, there's just a constant, persistent, sanctified reality. So it's, in the beginning, it's very difficult to uh, really understand what they are. It's very difficult. You, you know, if you're, if you're a little bit aware, a little bit conscious, you know that this soul is extraordinary, but you can't understand exactly how or why or put it together because we have, we have no reference point. We have no <clears throat> reference point to such a soul. But if, if you have that uh, uh, a little bit of awareness and um, some dedication, <coughs> and that good karma to uh, live with such a soul, then the scriptures become a living, a living uh, testimonial to life. Because when you're with a soul like Sadhguru Sankeshavadas, every kind of power, every kind of city, Every kind of extraordinary ability becomes common and present. They don't even take any notice of it. You know, they're doing things that are just absolutely extraordinary. And it's like us having tea. You know, they have the full capacity of, 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 the, he of the heavens. And it's normal for them. But us as children looking on, <laughs> you know, it's like... You're seeing all manner of divinity, you know, playing at the master's feet, and you don't even, you're so awestruck that you don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, you're struggling with the best of your psyche to take it in, to be a witness, you know, to, to be a witness to the, uh, this uh, extraordinary uh, uh, presence. But the, the, the unique thing is that you have this 
incredible, extraordinary event unfolding you know, uh, in your life, just as if I would say, well, why don't you spend six months with Jesus? Why don't you spend six months with Buddha? Or spend six months with Krishna? Can you imagine the, the, uh, the adventure, the spiritual adventure that would be? It's the same thing. All of a sudden you realize that you're on this extraordinary spiritual adventure and that you become a living witness to what God is doing. Where you can talk with them, walk with them, ask questions, see, see their life. Like I was with my Guruji 24-7. So night and day, it was not just, oh, when he's, you know, giving satsang, I saw him. No, I saw him at every point, day or night. Complete consistency of sanctity. I used to come to him sometimes and say, you know, you're like living scripture. Because if you read the Gita, the Bhagavatam, Upanishads, and then you look up at the Master, and you look at the scripture, and you look at the Master, there's no difference. What was happening in the scriptures is, ha is manifesting through the Guru. Isn't that breathtaking? <laughs> you know? The, that, that here is a being, a reality, who is absolutely verifying the authenticity of the great scriptures of the East. That they're actually a living embodiment of such a thing. So... Sometimes people read the scripture and say, well, this is too fantastic. It must be mythology. How sadly in error they are. It's an understandable error. But these masters walk amongst us as a validation of the masters before them. And they sing the praise of all the avatars and all the masters of the past and to show that there's a living history of sanctity laced through the world and that it will always be present in the world. <coughs> Such a saint as Sadhguru Sankishavras would say that the religion of the future would be divine love would be deep mysticism. That, that would be the religion of the future. That the world would be joined by deep, mystical, loving insight into the nature of God. That that would be the religion of the future. Now that we're in Kali Yuga, this age of darkness, they say this is the age with a decoit or the bandit, the bandit rules. So you can look at the stock market and see that's <laughs> obvious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the, the depth of lack of vision and criminality, that there would be a, a special uh, <clears throat> endowment to humanity uh, to find God, to find liberation, to find truth to find truth within their own being and when they look out to see it again. 
and that would be God's name. By chanting mantra, you would become sanctified. All the stuff of your conscience, your subconscious, all the stuff of your personal creation could go through a divine alchemy just by chanting God's name. To, to chant God's name, you don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be anything. See? They set the bar. Because of the age of darkness, God said there should be an easy means for all souls to reach the kingdom. So, whether you're saying the name of Divine Mother, or saying the name of Sri Krishna, or any of the gods, Divine, that each one, Lord Ram, Lord Shiva, Lord Krishna, all these great, the mantras taught by the the great sages and rishis, they would lead you to the kingdom. Slowly but surely, they will churn through your consciousness, destroying all the confusion, all the negativity, so that divine clarity and the divine embrace would occur. So if you do nothing, let's say you don't practice meditation, which is a little bit more rigorous. Definitely, in this age, practice mantra. Om Shri Dhamma Jai Dhamma Jai Jai Dhamma. See? That's very simple. Anybody can say that. And then take some time. Read, read about Lord Ram through the Ramayana or any of the great Krishna mantras. Read the Bhagavad Gita, the holy text of... All, all divine psychology is in the Bhagavad Gita. You can learn everything. You can learn everything of all the scriptures just by a proper study of the Gita. And then by chanting God's name, you'll go from revelation to revelation to revelation. It is definitely possible. You know, one should not think that, oh, this is too far away. This is a mountain too high, a bridge too far. Don't think like that at all. God is constantly sending masters into the world for you. For you individually. Heaven has your portfolio. See? But heaven will not impose upon you. You must ask. You know, if you say a sincere prayer to meet a saint, to meet a master, that will be registered in the kingdom. And a, a master will become aware of you personally, individually. And he, will he or she will attend to you personally or individually. Per individually. Sometimes in a mystic way, by coming through your dreams, or just like an angel, a hidden angel, and then later on, when necessary, the physical manifestation, where you eat with them, walk with them, talk with them, serve them, listen. See? It, this is a, a type of apprenticeship 
that every soul must go through. Every soul will meet saints and masters at some time in their evolutionary arc. The worst person on the planet still at some time will become sanctified. We are limited in body beings, so we can only become so corrupt. God is infinite sanctity. So, this little teacup of corruption, as opposed to the infinite ocean of sanctity, that sanctity can swallow the most bitter poison and make it something sweet. See? So, this, this hope, divine potential for everybody, regardless of how much poison you, you've managed to churn up, it will be swallowed and made something like honey, nectar. So, it's a great message that these great souls uh, bring to us. And to, to take uh, the idea of sanctity and make it a living reality in your heart and in your mind. That reality should not be a, a speculation. The example I give, and you'll hear me say it often, is if an elephant steps on your foot, is there any maybe? There's no maybe if an elephant steps on your foot. <laughs> There's no equivocation. When that reality of God comes forth, there's no maybe. Any, any human being who says maybe when they're talking about yoga, they don't know. They don't know what they're saying. They're, just, they're living in the realm of pure speculation. The experiences that the Master brings you to are so profound, so direct, that every aspect of your being is shaken. That's why I say it's like an elephant stepping on your foot. <laughs> There's no maybe. See? Your whole being is, is consumed with that revelation. You are marked. From that moment on, there's like a sacred branding upon your heart. And that mark on your heart will stay forever. What is given by these masters like Sankeshavas, Guruji? Every incarnation you'll remember. Every incarnation you'll start from that point, that point of sanctity. See? It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. Prior to that, we're, we're like frightened children in the woods, and we don't know if we'll get out. We're hoping for the best, and we just don't want to get eaten by the beasts. But upon stumbling across a master in that fearful forest, from that point on, you know that you'll never be consumed by the difficulty or the cruelties of life. And that all the stories of the wondrous lands, 
you know you personally will see these things. All the powers of God, all the sanctity of the ashrama, that you will personally see these places. You know for, for a fact you will never be annihilated. See, that's a hidden fear in every human being. One is death, and two, what happens after that. That's a quiet angst that all humans have. That angst, by the grace of these masters, completely eliminated. Completely eliminated. See? You may have ups and downs in life, but you know you'll never have extinction. Mm. And you know for a fact, in the course of your journey, you will come to pure sanctity, pure joy, pure insight, pure stability. See? That all this is yours. You know that for a fact. Regardless of the ups and downs of life, hidden beneath, within your heart, you have the realization that you're on a journey, you'll complete that journey, and in the end of that journey, all this is yours. It's all yours. An infinite, sanctified, beneficent beauty is all yours, personally. No more this and that. No more up and down. One sanctified reality. That's why often the saints will, when they talk to you, they'll say, brothers and sisters, or they'll look at you and say, my immortal self. They'll refer to you that way, my immortal self. They're, they're speaking from a vast consciousness where they're standing in a place of complete unity with you. That you, your, your inner reality and their inner reality, the same. Just like you can have a million snowflakes. They're all the same thing. They're made of water. But they have different expression. So when the saint looks, he's just seeing his own creative infinite expression. Mm. But constantly aware of one sanctified, stable reality. They live in the realm of the creation. We live in the realm of our creation. What we think, what we feel, what we want, that's our creation. They live in the creation. So, <laughs> extraordinary difference. So my Guruji, Sant Keshavadas, went the course of, of most uh, young men and uh, chose to take a wife. Of course, that wife had to be someone special. <laughs> He's had many, many karmic uh, incarnations with already. And uh, her name was Ramamata, mother of Ramanuj, that's what it means. And uh, they came to know one another 
via another saint, that great uh, saint from Kerala called uh, Swami Ramdas. He was sort of like a godfather in a way. <laughs> and one day Ramamata was at uh, Swami Ramdas's ashram. Guruji was giving satsangs and harikatha in the area and came to visit. And uh, some Ramda said, you see the girl there? And Guruji, ah! He immediately recognized his past association. And he said, I'll marry that one. If not that one, no other. Either I'll be celibate for life I'll marry that one. So, <laughs> that's a, a cosmic love story. <laughs> wow. So, their marriage happened in 1951. So, that that is the case of a true divine union. That's a union based on solar purpose, where two souls have one purpose, you know, to sing God's name and to lift humanity. Different expressions of the reality, but one divine purpose. This is uh, truly a, an eternal marriage. So Ramamata, and again, you know, came out of a uh, her early life was extremely humble, you know, great poverty. Sometimes people think, oh, the saints, every kind of, you know, beautiful thing comes upon them, the beautiful garments and the beautiful food. And... No, no, no. That's not realistic if you, if you study the lives of saints. The lives of saints often, every difficulty... Every privation, every challenge gets poured on their head. Very difficult existence. Now the question is why? Why would such a sanctified soul have to eat such bitter herbs in life? There's a clear reason. And, and Ramamata came through great privation in her, her childhood. But when there's these great challenges and great sorrows, what you really are comes to the forefront. So when there is great privation, to manifest sanctity shows exactly what you are. See? The average human being, when there's great privation, we have frustration, we have anger, we have misbehavior, but the saints are something different. They say a saint is like a rose. If you crush it, it'll offer its fragrance to you. Mm. See? Even when it's being crushed, it'll offer something wonderful. It won't offer anything bitter. It'll offer the sweet fragrance of the rose. That is the inner life of the saints. 
And as they go through various privations, we as common human beings, common mortals, get an opportunity to see the Dharma manifest. When, when Arjuna had to go to war, it was a civil war in his day. This is in the Bhagavad Gita. There was no anger. There was no cruelty. There was no recrimination. He went to war with a pure heart of Dharma, a pure mind of Dharma, to simply restore divine order, to give the people safety, to give the people comfort, to give the people all that they needed to live a good life. The, this is a, a classic battle between forces, the force of ignorance and the force of wisdom. But in, in that battle, there's no anger. There's just restoring of the balance, bringing the balance back to life. When adharma, negativity, darkness, pervades the world, the world has to be restored to a balance. Okay? The ecology has to become balanced again, so all are supported, okay? not just some are supported. So they go at it with, with a purity of heart, and, of, and because one is finite and the other is eternal, the finite will be swallowed by the eternal all the time. And the infinite wisdom knows that in the churning of time, what was cruel will become sanctified. They know that this is my brother, this is my kin, this is myself. So it's healing a wound in nature. See? So when a physician sees a terrible wound, is there any recrimination? Is there any anger? Or is there just a loving attentiveness to healing the wound. See? This is the nature of the saints. See? So, a saint is a soul without any enemies. They have no enemies. They have no foes. They have no true challengers. One has the backing of the infinite, the other is backing of the ego. <laughs> Who can challenge the reality? <laughs> So, it's the wave of the kingdom flowing through them will neutralize any kind of disturbance. See? But we as uh, souls with a finite vision have to learn the will and the way of the kingdom. See? What, is, what does God want? And how does he want it done? This is what the masters teach. What does God want? And how is it done? See? Both the will and the way of God. Sometimes people understand, oh, this is what God wants because I read it in the scripture. But they don't know how. So often their application is not that great. See? The saints will personally teach you what God wants and how God wants to do it.
If you want to look at a great contemporary example, look at Mahatma Gandhi. Everybody should read Gandhi. Everybody should study Gandhi to see what all kinds of forces were put against him, how he responded. You'll learn so much from studying Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma means great soul. Maha, great, Atma, soul. The great soul, Gandhi. If you want to know how God wants things done, study Gandhi. Study the Bhagavad Gita. Sometimes there may be a physical, physical clash, but look at the nature of the guidance that Sri Krishna gave to guide Arjuna's heart and mind. So that even though there may be a great physical clash, the heart maintains a pure stability. See? There's purity and there's stability and there's infinite compassion. Even though there may be a physical clash, a contest of forces. See? Sometimes the darkness has to be put down in a very manual, physical way. But it doesn't mean that your heart has to become cruel. See? Sometimes a surgeon has to do a major surgery. He might have to remove a limb. But his heart is never cruel. See? He's doing what's necessary to maintain the greater good. See? He's saving the patient by removing a limb. See? So these are the these are the things that the, the saint teaches you personally. And when you live with them, you shouldn't think, oh, everyone who comes to the saint is coming for good reasons. Some come from good reasons. Some come for mixed reasons. Some come for bad reasons. The saint is not outside the world. The saint is within the world. They exist right here. So every quality of human being comes to the ashram door. Don't think the rogues don't come. They certainly do. Don't think the confused don't come, they certainly do. And the higher souls, those souls who are on the dharmic path, they are present also. So it's not, the, in the ashram where the guru is, the entire world presents themselves at the door. The entire world. Not, not just, oh, good people. That's not true. Everybody's there, from the most wicked to the most sublime. They all come to the ashram with their own personal agendas. Now this is very important because those yogis, those attendants of the master, or those who are near the master, are, are receiving a teaching, are receiving a training, on how to address the, the spectrum of humanity. See? So if only the, the, the very sweet, good souls were coming, how could everyone learn how to behave under stressful circumstances? How to, how to, how to nurture uh, a person who is endowed with cruelty? How to love them, how to respect them, how to nurture them, how to help heal them? See? So, you see the master dealing with every gradation of human being, every quality of human 
for the human condition and see enlightened action, sanctified action, zero judgment, see? zero judgment and only sanctified action. So it's an extraordinary, extraordinary experience. You know, you, you live with this, seeing every quality of human being come through the door and that my Guruji, Sant Keshavas, would sit with each person. He wouldn't just sit, you have the, like the very wealthy people and the people of big, big jobs. <clears throat> they received absolutely the same treatment that a person who came in rags, the body is uncleaned, the hair is unkempt, education is very crude. They got exactly the same treatment that the big person with the big education and the great wealth. He would invite them into his personal room and sit with them on the floor and have food served and have tea served and be absolutely attentive to that soul. See? Not to their position, not to their wealth. He would be attentive to that soul, regardless of their position, regardless of their condition in life. See? Fantastic teaching. Extraordinary teaching. You know? You know, there was no repulsion, you know, there was no elation. Just a loving, wise kindness. You saw a kindness. Just just a, a, a kindness and a, a wonderful personal interest in each soul. You know, he didn't take any soul for granted. There was a personal interest in each soul. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. I mean, as, as human beings, some we like, some we don't like. You know, some we're fearful of, some we embrace. That wasn't there with Master, you know, Sankhya Shaman. It wasn't there at all. There was an embrace for every soul and an interest in every soul. It was really extraordinary to see that. Yes. Um, was he, um, how was he um, with people with various degrees of, like, sincerity who came to him? I mean, I know that um, you talk about some people you know, come very sincerely, and some people come with... He treated them all the same. It's, it's, it's like a mother with a lot of people at the table. The mother serves the same meal to everybody, you know. You know, the meal, the, the meal that this soul needed was the meal that was served. See, whatever, whatever that soul needed to take their next step towards sanctity, that was uniquely given to that particular person. Whether it was a hug, or a kind word, or just someone to be with them, to have tea and to chat. You know, sometimes uh, humorous conversation, sometimes deeply intimate conversation. What the, whatever that soul needed, that was the medicine given, see? If there's 20 people, this mantra for this one. This mantra for my Guruji. If you sat there, he'd close his eyes for maybe two or three seconds, just for a moment, and then in that moment, he had your entire karmic portfolio. He knew all the prayers, all the actions, 
that you've not only taken in this birth, but every other birth, hence. They were all in front of you. So if you had been doing Siva Puja, this kind of Puja, this kind of mantra, and that was the, the, what the next step was, he'd say, okay, here's Om Namah Shivaya. Or whatever particular mantra that you needed. See? He knew your entire spiritual arc and where you were in that arc and what the level of complexities were. Sometimes there's multiple mantras because of these particular actions, they have to be neutralized. Say these particular mantras or do this particular puja, you know, do this particular charity action to remove the particular karmas. With my Guruji, there was a complete cognizance of past, present, and future. When you sat in front of him, your, your journey was known to him. You, you have never met him in your entire life. But in the matter of a few seconds, he knew everything about you. He could say, oh, you remember your seventh birthday? Now, you've never seen him before, never met him before, never talked to him before. Your seventh birthday. And then he'd say where you were. And then he said, on that birthday, you were wearing this such and such a dress. And you had those pretty shoes with the little, you know, sparklies on them. And he'd tell you the people who were present. And then he'd say, remember when you were sitting on the side table with your three friends? And then verbatim, he would tell you the conversation that you had with those children. And then he would go on to say, when they were saying this, these are the things that you were feeling in your heart. Now the karmas from that are, and he'd tell you the karmas. And he said, because of those karmas, it's manifesting now. Now, this is how to amplify that goodness. See? There were, it was extraordinary. The, the level of, of detail. Sometimes it would take your breath away. You know, it, it, it could be a, a matter that you hadn't uh, divulged to anybody ever. It could have been something terribly intimate, terribly private. But he could approach it in such a way that you were completely disarmed. There was no fear. There was no shame. And he could talk to you with the, the, the unimaginable skill to, to give you an understanding and to lift your heart and to give you a way forward so that you wouldn't be limited by that, that history without any recrimination, without any judgment. Only this sweet loving embrace that only lifted your heart, only opened your heart, only made you more truly human, truly kind, truly loving. So, extraordinary. It, it was the breath of God speaking to you, not a man. Not a man at all. Just the breath of God, the sweetness of God lifting you. So when you live with such a master, you see these things. You see, you see what's possible and that there's hope for everybody. There is, there is no soul that will be cast into the abyss, forgotten or lost. No one is forgotten and no one is lost. You know, heaven has a savior for everyone. <laughs> so you get... You get to, when you live with such souls, 
you get to see this. this. This becomes just part of your life. See, see now you. What's good about this satsang in a way is that you're, you're hearing first person. You're not reading it in a book or so-and-so said. You should think either Hari Charan is completely mad or I am 100% telling the truth. There should be no equivocation. There should be, it's one or the other. Either I'm 100% telling the truth or I am a total nutcase. That's my challenge to you. That's, that's really what you should say. So living with my master, this is just part of my, my biography and what I witnessed as a human being. You know, what I was first person to, to, to see with my own eyes, not something I heard about. Nothing I'm telling you I heard about. Everything I'll say tonight, I was there. I was right there. So... Living with them, the extraordinary becomes common. <laughs> you know, you, you get after, first your, your mind is blown. And you're thinking, what is going on? What is this? And, and, and you really have to think about the scriptures. Because the only other place that you've heard or seen such things are in the scriptures. But all of a sudden, you're in the scripture. <laughs> you know, you're part of the cast. While these divine events... Or just occurring, just occurring as the sun rising and setting, They're completely natural events. But they're happening just normally, like we have breakfast in the morning. It's, it's part of their divine manifestation. But they don't make anything of it. They, they, it, it it's normal to them. It's extraordinary to us. It's normal to them. So... But if your heart is pure, and you say prayers of not what I want, God, but what do you want? Guide me into your will. Then you'll meet such souls. Then you'll be able to serve such souls. Then you'll make this meteoric ascent, psychic ascent, you know, from the common muddy condition of the human, human mind to a much more rarefied, much greater vision of the nature of man, the evolution of man, and the nature of the kingdom itself. Those revelations come. The guru personally, intimately, directly introduces you to God. That is a fact. Personally, intimately, directly introduces you to God. For most human beings, God is a myth. Sometimes God is just a big hope. Hope is a God. But with such a master, the, re the reality of God is known. That, that, that condition is so. Once that is made clear in your mind, you never forget. You never forget. You never lost again. You're never lost. See? You're like a person with a compass. You know you're going to get out of the forest. You know? You're no longer lost. In the forest, what's east, what's west, what's north? We have no idea. The master hands you a compass and says, head east, head north. 
you, you know. From that point on, you know you'll never be lost. You know that you'll come to completion. You know that no matter what, the sublime is in front of you. You know it. It's no more myth, no more maybe, no more hope. You know you'll complete the journey. You know it's, it's part of your bones. Extraordinary. Can you understand the fearful nature that most human beings live in? Unknowing, lost, massive maybe in their life? That's gone. With the intervention of a true master, the maybe in your life is gone. Completely, completely gone. Now, I'm taking a moment just to reflect I'll tell you, uh, I'm a little hesitant, but I'll, I'll tell you a, a personal story. You know, uh, such things that you witness with the magnitude of a master. Many years ago, there was a, a birthday celebration for a uh, Sadhguru Sankei Shavadas, my master. And there was a Satnarayana Puja, you know, thousand and eight coconut for the coconut represents your ego, that they're all cracked, and <clears throat> there's Bharanatyam dancing, and there's singers, and there's all kinds of festivities because it's my Guruji's birthday. This is back in the early 80s. Maybe around 84, 85, some one of those years early 80s and uh, it took place in a large hall in San Francisco oh I remember also there was a, a wonderful woman there named uh, Yashota Mata she was a direct disciple of Yogananda uh, she used to play the piano for him <laughs> you know, very pleasant she's now gone uh, but she was at that uh, event and uh, the hall was full, lots of people, and there's these very large uh, double doors to the right. And I was sitting in the middle of the audience, and my Guruji was sitting up in the front, uh, you know, watching all the uh, you know, festivities and such. At the end of the evening, um, the people are dashing out the door, some are heading home. To the left, they had a large kitchen, they were serving food. So everyone's mind is either on going home or having a meal. I didn't care about either. I didn't care about going home. I didn't care about the food. It meant nothing to me. I was just constantly watching Guruji. My mind was, this is something extraordinary. I've never seen this. So I'm just watching. My eyes are like an owl. So it comes to a point where everybody dashes out the doors. And then the, both doors close. So now, it's just Guruji and myself in this hall. And I'm still like an owl just watching him, because that's the only thing that I thought was important. You know, this is, I, I knew I was seeing something I'd never seen before, something extraordinary. So nothing made any, I, didn't, I had no concern for anything but just to see. And he was sitting in the front row, I was sitting in the middle. And then 
uh, Guruji stands up and he slowly turns and looks at me. And it's just he and I in the entire hall at this point. And he puts on this, this sort of a sublime smile comes over his face. And then what next happened? I, I can barely speak. At that point, this lingam of light, immense, just like, like an arc brilliant light, you know, just a column. And my Guruji is standing in that column of light. My breath is gone. I couldn't believe my eyes. Immense light. And he lifts up off the ground. He lifted up off the ground like that far. Just like, you know, two feet off the ground. Who's seen such a thing? And he's, his body becomes like a liquid light. It's like a fluid of light. And he's standing in this immense lingam. The lingam went all the way through the roof. And then he came to the, he came to the side and then he came and he's floating. He came halfway up uh, the aisle and my breath was gone. I, I was so shocked. I, I, I'd never seen such a thing. And he came he, in this lingam of light, in the center of this lingam, Irama. He just looks at me. And then he goes back, goes back over, he comes back down to the ground, <laughs> and then the lingam of light disappears. To use the word shocked is, is not what I was. I was so far beyond shocked and awed by this splendid light. Something unimaginable. I could, could not get to my feet. I tried to uh, stand up and my legs would not support me. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I had to grab the chairs in front of me and push myself up using the strength of my arms to get to my feet because my legs wouldn't support me. I was so shocked. So I slowly uh, staggered, staggered down the uh, you know, walkway there and I didn't know what to say. I was so shocked. And Guruji, uh, with the most uh, remarkable sweetness, he turned to me and held my hand and said, Hari Charan, you are mine. Don't go anywhere. That was it. <laughs> that was it. It's that forever eternal bond. But by good fortune, I was with my master. Multiple, multiple births. Um, but that was a, a point of my own personal reawakening uh, in terms of uh, my uh, uh, personal relationship with Sakya Shavana. That's, that's just one story. I have a thousand stories. Thousand stories. This is this is the type of 
things that you experience when you're with such souls that uh, uh, you can't quantify the experience. It, it's so beyond anything. You have no reference points to these experiences. There's no reference points. That lingam of light, I can't describe to you what that was. The, the magnitude and the beauty. I cannot describe to you. You can look at the greatest mountains and the greatest sunsets and the greatest ocean and it's only a fraction of what I saw that day. You know where you can see that? Um, uh, Bhagavad Gita. When, when Arjuna uh, saw Sri Krishna's manifestation, Vishwarupa, it's there. It's there. See? Such, such things. Only that was God itself manifesting before the disciple. See? So, these types of experiences are recurring experiences that happen between guru and disciple. See? That's why I say that uh, your life, when you look at the scriptures and then you look at your own life in reference to your master, you're, you're seeing the same stories being retold, but only now you're one of the characters in the story. You know? It's quite extraordinary. Quite extraordinary. The, when you study scriptures, what you're studying is a reference map, map to your future. It's not, we, you shouldn't study the scripture and think it's other. When you study scripture, think this is my future. Think this is my destiny. Think this is my journey. That is far more accurate. That is far more accurate to realize when you're studying the scriptures, you will be a character in one of these divine leelas. It's just a question of when. Just a question of when. You'll be a participant. See? And it all comes from you just trying to be a better person. Trying to be a kinder person. Trying to purify your heart. Realizing that there is a cosmic, divine, sanctified intelligence that is the root of this existence. And, and search. I want to know personally. That has to be one of your inner calls, is to say, I want to know. I want to know for sure. And I want to know personally. I don't want any doubt in my mind. I don't want any maybe. I want to know personally. I want to know for sure. See, it has to be that kind of directed prayer. See, don't pray to God vague. Clear, clarify your mind and be very direct. And then it happens. It happens. See? See, everyone who came today, there's many other people who come to these satsangs, but the people in the room have come based on their karma to hear some yogi testify to his personal direct, intimate experience with such sanctified souls. See? You have to have that karma. Many of you are from, from India. You could have been there, but you're here to hear a first-hand account. See? You know. So you should say, well, I have some association with that fellow, and if such things can happen to him, and I'm hearing those stories, that is my future too. 
Because there's nothing special. There's nothing unique here. There's nothing unique at all. See? It's just your time, your prayers, the fruit. My being with my master is just the fruit of our past actions, past desires, sanctified desires. See? So in Hari Charan, there's nothing special. You can pray just like I can pray. Is there any difference? No. So, when you have a sanctified prayer, there'll be a sanctified karma. It'll come. It'll come. So, where's the difference between you and I? There's no difference. No difference. Only in time, but not in event. Any sanctified thing that's happened to me will definitely happen to you. Definitely. The only difference is time, not in an event. See? So. Yogi is nobody special, really. In truth. You know? When, when you go deep, when you practice meditation, and you see the grandeur of the various realms, it's, or you have such a sanctified master and, and, and get to see the grandeur and the field, the cosmic field that they live on, how can we think of ourselves as big or special? When you're looking at the vastness, you know, infinite potentiality, infinite sanctity, you know, is it possible to think that you're something special? other than a small little peanut. <laughs> it's not possible. When you, when you see what they are, no way to get a big head. Not possible. Not possible. You know, the, you know, souls like this are still journeying. Souls like that are the outcome. The full reality. You know? This soul is still on a journey. That soul finished the journey ages ago. So... But the journey is uh, truly wondrous, truly, truly, truly wondrous. Yeah. My Guruji, Sankeshavadis, was a lot like Sage Narda. Sage Narda was wonderfully musical. The, the song of God flowed through Sage Narda. Same thing with Master Keshavadas. The song of God flowed through him. Over, over 6,000 bhajans, abhangas, flowed through this master. You know? In this birth, divine songs, songs of God, songs of wisdom, songs of liberation, songs of praise, all flowed through this great master. And like Narda, Narda was going place to place to place to place to place. Same thing with my Guruji. Always moving, always traveling. Just through India alone, 57 times traveling the length and breadth of India. Every stopping in homes, stopping in temples, stopping in, in villages. Each place to give a kind word and the knowledge of God. The Harikata, meaning the, the, the message the storms, the stories of God. Fifty-seven times, length and breadth of India. 
and around the world 37 times. 37 times around the planet. Stopping in this country, stopping in this country, stopping in that country. Just to bring the message to God to each place. So if, can you imagine each one of those travels around the world, these 37 times traveling around the world, each one he was, he was attending to the prayers of people. People would pray in this country, in this country, in this country. So God would say, go, 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 and send them to all of these places where people had said prayers so that they would have some direct, personal, intimate time with a sage, with a master, with a rishi, with a great saint. See, your prayers are heard. 37 times God sent them around the planet to various countries, and each country touching many, many, many people. See? From tiny, tiny villages and personal individual homes to great halls. He made no distinction between standing in front of 5,000 people or quietly visiting a person's home. He made no distinction at all. Whatever God's will was, that's where his feet were. That was my master. How many times has, has Mataji come to your home? Oh, like six, seven times. See, he's a good man, working businessman. Is he high yogi? No. Is he a good man? Yes. Has he come to your home? Has mother come to your home? Same thing here. Mother has come to your home. This beautiful yogini, noble husband, beautiful child. In his home, they do Ramayana. That's a very great thing. Very great thing. He sponsors Ramayana. People come do Ram Jampa and read uh, Ramayana. This is this family here. This family here. Everybody could do that. But this family is doing it. That's very high. That was uh, Guruji's dream. That was his teachings. And Guru uh, Harichandas told us to do that. And he told us where it came from. And then we started the reading. But see, they were like a sponge. They absorbed the knowledge. They acted. You know, teacher can say something 10,000 times and it's like a stone rolling off. Or teacher can say something once. And if their heart is receptive, it's done. See? So, that action, anyone can do. But it's a very sanctified action. Very sanctified action. To chant God's name and to read a holy scripture and to invite the community to come sit with you. See? That's Vijay over there. And Kalpana. Kishori and Danush, yeah, the family, and mother and father. See? See? Again, Sankhya Shavadis' wife, Ramamata, has come many times to their home. It's not just to the big, big halls where there's 10,000 people. They'll come personally, quietly to your home. That's the path of the saints. Personal. Intimate, direct. 
So, and by, by, so these souls, this one here, this one here, others here, they are, by hosting the saints, they are serving God itself. They are serving God itself. The karma from that, even that young baby's children will be blessed. When that boy grows into a man and has a family, his children, this little Danushia, his children will be blessed because of the actions of the parents. It'll pass the whole family line. This, this is no joke. This is a fact. Same with your children. There'll be a there'll be a blessing that'll carry through your entire family because of your noble actions. That is for sure. I'm telling you for sure. No joke. No guessing. For sure. These these sanctified actions are huge. Huge. It, it's open for everyone. It's possible to everyone. Okay. If we can slip this the chair just to the side. So this is part of the path of the saints where there's there's tremendous intimacy. They'll sit with you, they'll talk with you, they'll walk with you, they'll be accessible. Yes, Mataji. Like the hill you wrote in the last days. Guruji? Yeah. <laughs> My Guruji passed the same way he lived. He was in India. Uh, doing uh, Hari Kata. And um, of course, my Guruji knew his time, when he's coming and when he's going. You know. But uh, again, he was giving the message of, of the saints, the message and the music of the saints via Hari Kata. And he simply stopped. So, these, these masters, uh, they control their coming and going. And, and they're not bound by nature, like we come by a physical birth to a woman. They're not bound by that. Not, not at all. Guruji left his body, took Maha Samadhi, December 4th. 1997 is when he left his body. But he left his body as he lived in the body. Always giving the message of the saints, the message and the music of the saints to humanity. So that's how he left. The body was cremated, was brought to Bangalore, Vishwashanti Ashram, and his samadhi is there in Vishwashanti Ashram in, in Bangalore. Just, just outside the main city of Bangalore. Uh, a, a small village called Nilamangala. Just outside of Bangalore. In Ramamata, his, his spouse continues uh, carrying that sanctified message. Mother's <coughs> manifestation is very different than Guruji. And again, a lot of people won't be aware of what she is because she's sweet, she's humble, 
you know, she's forbearing, uh, no fuss, no muss, you know. Inside, very great soul. <laughs> Outside, pure humility. But if you live with her, you'll see relentless japa going on. Night and day doing japa. Two things when you see with mother. Japa, service, compassion. Constant uttering God's name. Constant service. There's always people coming. If you go to the ashram, sometimes mother doesn't have time to eat. As soon as she sits to the table to have a meal, another group of people come and she jumps up to attend to them. Sometimes she'll go the entire day without eating. You know, because every time she stops, more come. And she won't say, oh, I have to eat. No. She won't put them aside. She'll always jump up immediately and attend to them. I've seen her work to the point of complete physical exhaustion. Complete exhaustion. That's their nature. The nature of a das is to work relentlessly for God. We don't take our, our physicality, whatever the physicality, let God deal with that. But if we are alive, if we're breathing, we work. That is the nature of a das. And mother is one of the greatest expressions of that. Ceaseless service for God and complete compassion to whomever is in front of her. So, she's still here and she's still doing that. And she's still going from house to house quietly, giving the blessing, giving the kind word, teaching the appropriate mantra. See? So that's the life. That's the life. And she'll pass the same way. She'll pass serving God. That's how we die. See? We don't fall back like a human being. We fall forward in our pranam to God. That's how we die. The yogi, the das yogi dies that way. Always with a pranam to God. There's no falling back like a human. There's always falling forward in a pranam. Always in service. So mother is still here. Mother is still uh, working relentlessly hard. You know, I live with her in the ashram in India. She does the work of five people, and that's no puffery. She works like a mule. Even at her advanced age. If we watch, it gives us an opportunity. If you see some yogi, some saint working, stand next to them. Don't stand behind them. Stand next to them and shoulder the load. Do something. Even if you sweep the floor. If you're a wealthy person, help to maintain the temple. If you're a poor person, sweep the floor. You'll have the same merit because God is looking at your heart, not the action. So some person, someone gives $500,000, someone somebody picks up the broom. It's the purity of heart that's looked at. See, It's the purity of heart. It may be that the person sweeping the floor is acquiring more divine merit because of the purity of their heart, the purity of the action. Maybe the guy who's giving 500000 is mixed. So, not so much. See? But the key is, both will get blessing for sure. But do something. While you have breath, don't sit on your hands. Do something. See this family here, BJ's family, or Mohan's family? They're doing something. He's a businessman. He's working hard in, in business. But when Ramamata comes 
comes to the area, he provides a platform. He's done something. You know, he'll give donations. Sometimes good, as his business goes up. Sometimes more modest, as the business goes down. But his heart is the same. So, great merit. Don't sit on your hands in this life. You know? Feather your bed for the future. If you want to know saints, serve the saints. See? If you want to know the nature of the kingdom, get next to the saints. Get next to the yogis. <clears throat> You'll be able to have that personal, direct vision. You know, my attitude is get the maybe out of your head. If you're saying maybe, you're just basically lost. You're good, but you're definitely lost. Get next to the yogis. Get next to the saints. And <clears throat> if you don't have immediate access, get next to the scriptures. Because the scriptures are the truth. Get next to them. Study them. Read them. <clears throat> don't think, oh, I read the Gita once, I'm good. Forget about that nonsense. Read it over and over and over. Because every time you read it, you're not the same person. You're not the same person. You're going to be reinformed. I've been reading it 35, 40 years. And it's different every single time. I learn something every single time. I think, oh my God, how did I miss that? See? I'm a different person this time I read it. See? So it's constantly informing you. So we, we need these kinds of uh, guides. See? And as you're studying the Gita or Ramayana or Upadashad, or you know, all of these great scriptures, there's many, many, many great scriptures of these. You're priming your heart. You're priming your mind. You're priming your being to being able to stand with the saints and to serve them. See? Approach them with your head down. Don't be like the rich, arrogant people. Like this. Shameful. Foolish. You know. Bow your head. Approach humbly. Then, great things will happen for you. Great, great, great things. If I, if I told you my personal biography, it would become too much. You'd think, this fellow is definitely living in some science fiction. That's what would happen. It's hard to believe. But it's a fact. It's a fact. You know, to, to live with the masters, every manner of sanctified event happens in your life personally. There's no more doubt, is there God? There's no more doubt, is there angels? There's no more doubt, are there gods? There's no more doubt. And it's not, oh, because I'm speculating or because someone told me. No, 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 it's not like that. The angels you meet, the gods you meet, see? The saints you meet. It's all personal, you know? You get to stand with these, such beings. You get to chat with such beings. You get to be informed by such beings. You get to see their mani physical manifestation of such beings. This is a fact. This is not a maybe. And Hari Charan is nobody special. The only thing Hari Charan did was hold my master's feet, refuse to ever let go, and do what I'm told. That's the uniqueness of Hari Charan. That's it. And every manner of wonder this soul has seen. Not every manner but quite a bit, enough to blow your mind. See? Because I held my master's feet. I asked for instruction, and I worked. Whatever he said, to me, that was, that was it. There was no, 
he said this, I'll do that. No, no. Whatever he said, that's what I do. That's it. Nothing special. Nothing special. See? So you don't have to do anything really special. Have a little bit of humility, do what you're told, and earnestly seek to serve God. And God and Master, the, the, the Masters are God's representatives. So do what they tell you. You know, put aside your ego, put aside your arrogance, bend your head, and take action. If you do that, just that simple thing, every manner of divine wonder will come into your life. Every divine event will come into your life, and that is for sure. What blocks us is our arrogance, our ego. That's all that's, that's, all that's standing between you and the vast wonder of God. That is the only thing standing between your arrogant, arrogant ego. You know, bow your head. You know, be humble. You know, embrace the scriptures and then embrace the masters. You know, seek truth beyond your personal truth. Seek the truth, not your personal truth. Seek the truth. See, they're here to deliver that. So many people could have had every manner of wonder happen in their life, but when they approached my master, they said, oh, I need a car, Guruji. Oh, I need a girlfriend. Oh, I need a husband. That was what the average person said. Oh, I need a job. My Guruji is standing there saying, I will guide you personally to the kingdom. Everything you need to know to realize God, I will give you. But only 1% asked that. Only 1%, maybe. The rest asked for a husband, wife, job, car. See? That's what they asked for. I was there. I mm -hmm. still remember the day, uh, the very first time Rama Mother came. Mm. Um, she called personally mm. and she said, can I come? She didn't say that. I'm coming to your house. Mm. And we're so blessed. That was from India. Yeah. See? How humble. She asked permission. I, I've watched Ramamata, some young Pujari, he's like maybe 16 year old, young priest, in, in uh, Bangalore ashram. The young priest comes in to speak with Ramamata. Ramamata, this is a sage of God, a saint of God, stands up, gets down on her knees, and pranams before this you know, 16 or 17 year old Pujari. This is a boy, he, 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 he's barely, he's not even in his manhood yet. She pranams. And I'm thinking, what is this saint pranaming to this boy for? And mother says, no, I'm a householder. He's a Pujari. This is proper. Extraordinary. Extraordinary that this saint is bowing to this young boy. This boy's not a saint. He's, he's just a young young priest, a novice priest. But she says, no, I'm a householder. You know, he's doing puja every day. Can you imagine the humility? I mean, I wasn't bowing to that young boy. But Ramamata did. So, who's right? There's some arrogance in this poor fool. See? The teaching was right there. You have to be aware. You know, and adapt. Adjust. 
if she's going to bow, Hari better get down too. <laughs> See? See? So you learn these things. One time, there was a person in the ashram that was unimaginably wicked. Unimaginably, every wicked thing this person was doing. Very, very clever. I used to think of this person as um, um, sort of like a, a type of demon in a way. Or, you know, uh, what is it? Machiavelli's daughter. <laughs> you know? But I once queried about that. I said, why did you maintain this person in the ashram? And what was said was so compassionate. It was said that this person is so wicked. If we don't embrace them, if we don't hold them, if we don't love them, who will? An extraordinary lesson. Extraordinary lesson. So the saints are saying, if we don't embrace this wicked person, who will? Nobody in society will. So the saint will. Will take them as their own and wash them, lift them, and, and bear their incredible misbehaviors. You know, not every now and then, just a sea of wicked behavior. But with tremendous uh, love and forbearance, you know, just, just to, to love them, to guide them, and, and never to reject them. Me, I would have tossed them out so fast, you know, I would have found a window, a door, anything out. But that's not how they are, you know. Their response was, if, if, if we don't hold them, if we don't love them, if we don't educate them, who will? Great teaching. Great, great teaching. Yeah. So, that's the, the, the magnitude of, uh, uh, of Sankhya Shavadas and Ramamata. Uh, the magnitude of their you know, infinite compassion. And by living with these sanctified souls, it's not a story you hear. It's an event you witness. So everybody should seek to live with the saints, live with the masters. You know, you know, if there's some, you know, saint or some yogi around, you know, it's 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 prioritize your life. You know, prioritize your life. Think of what is really really important. So the basketball game is going on, and there's a yogi living down the block, but you land up at the basketball game. What are you thinking? You know, the yogi is one in a million. The basketball game happens every season. You know, you can turn that on any Saturday night and catch it in the, during the season. But how do you know how long that yogi will be sitting there? Take the opportunity. That's the key. Don't, don't, don't take the yogis, the Dharma teachers, for granted. Take every opportunity to just be present. Just be present. Become part of that community. And your life will be changed. Your life will definitely be changed. See? That's what I would... I'll tell you a little micro story. You know, with my Guruji, even though I'm living in the same household with him, there was a, a staircase right outside his door. He was up on the second floor. 
and I would come and sit on that staircase, you know, just for any opportunity to do anything, you know, the door, people were coming and going, coming and going, but I had no real reason to be in there sometimes, you know, and you want to be always efficient, you don't, you don't want to give them any headache, but I would sit at that door, and just, for two reasons, anytime the door opened, it was fun just to peek in to see them, and I lived with it, it was like night and day, but it was still always exciting, you know, even though I lived there, it was always exciting, and I would be waiting for any opportunity, you know, sweep the floor, you know, organize the books. I once knocked over some pencils just so I could reorganize the pencils, you know, just for the opportunity to be in the room. I mean, I was in the room a lot, but when there was no really good valid reason for me to be there, I'd sit outside the front door waiting for any opportunity. See, you have to acquire that kind of eagerness. And it was fun. It was like sometimes people think, oh, the master... They're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> People sometimes think that the master is like a dry biscuit. Nonsense. Nonsense. It's like a Marco Polo journey filled with joy. It is so much fun. You know, you're laughing, you're crying, you're excited. You know, your, your whole mind and heart are being exploded in the most sublime ways. It's not like a dry biscuit at all. You know, it, it's... It is so, so much fun. And, uh, and the, your master becomes the center of your universe. You know, everybody else may have some other center universe, but your Guruji is the center of your universe. You know, that, that is what you set your compass by all the time. They are always your, the center of your universe. So, so I've said some some few words of my own personal experience. Uh, if there's any questions, I can answer some questions. I, I've really contained myself. I've only, I've only told you such a tiny, 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 tiny bit, you know, of, of my life experience with my master. And for souls like me, we only use a little tiny bit of our minds when we're thinking about our master. Because if I thought about my master even a little bit more, the Baba Samadhi comes. You get, it's like uh, being sucked up, you know. You can't maintain normal consciousness, you're gone. So we only talk with just a little bit of our consciousness. If we took even a hair more of attention toward the master, because you'll be caught up in the revelation of what they are, and the Baba comes immediately, and you're gone. That's the truth. That's the truth. See? So, are there more any more questions about Sante Shavadas or Ramamata? Let's just take this one. Um, when you were talking about Guruji passing, he was chanting Hari Kata, and I didn't know what that was. Hari Kata is, Hari is God, Vishnu. Um. And uh, it's the stories, the stories of the saints, the, the stories, the music. The message of the saints, done in a very um, joyful way by telling the story and interspersing the story with music, you know, divine songs of the saints, and the stories themselves. You know, that's how they could talk. It wraps you up completely. All of your senses get wrapped up in Hari Kata. And Sylvia Ma. Um, I'm just wondering, Guruji, uh, um, 
How did you become aware of your previous associations with Guruji in previous lives? Uh, that's sort of a multifolded question. Um, I was practicing yoga since I was a boy. It's only uh, in the early 80s that I come to my master. So I, I had been practicing quite a bit. And uh, in, in the, and, and seriously, not enough. Most people, they're just, they're just dabbling. They're, they're either doing minor practices or very choppy dabbling. But I was serious. You know, I really want to know what is truth? I really wanted to know that. It was like, even as a boy, that was in my head. What is truth? What, what is really going on? So, um, there's a two-part answer. So, even prior to coming to my master, uh, I had had many, uh, what people would consider extraordinary experiences. Um, all, I, you know, I could tell you an encyclopedia of... Uh, exceptional and unusual stories. Um, so in the course of that, those types of events, well, well, practicing genuine yoga, genuine mysticism occurs. And in that, in that genuine mysticism, um, you get to sometimes see or sometimes re-experience events of past births. See? So that's one event. Then coming to my master, that explodes even on a whole other greater dimension, um, where uh, there's many nights you'll be sitting with your teacher, and then my Guruji will start to tell stories. Oh, in such and such a birth, we were here, and this is what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So you, you'll get the, you'll get stories retold to you of the lives you've spent with your master, and what you were doing, and how we're continuing the work now. Mm -hmm. You know, or sometimes something's you know, one, one time just in, in a car, we were driving, Guruji and I, and I, there were some other people in the car, and I just started to sing for fun. And I'm, you know, they're great singers. I was just sort of doing alapa, you know, that kind of stuff, just for fun. And then Guruji started to laugh and says, you were just like that, you know, doing that and singing these alaps. And, and then, you know, some you know, story came out about uh, prior birth and Guruji and I traveling. We we're in India, you know. Uh, Mendicants and uh, me singing like that, you know, doing the same type of, uh, you know, playful alap. Oh, nice. See, so like stories like that come out, you know, sort of spontaneously. So, any other thoughts, questions? Any? No. <laughs> Always take the shot. You know, if there's a question, don't sit on it. Always take the shot. Who do we know whether we'll meet again? We don't know. So always take the shot. Yeah. Um, when you're in an ashram like that, do your practices become less important because you're with the guru? So instead of praying, you just that's talk true. That, that's that true? true because the service to the guru is prayer, is mantra, is meditation. So sometimes, like if you're in the ashram, sometimes, especially if you're a close one, you're working like a maniac. You know, sometimes you're sleeping, you know, five hours a night, and the rest of the time you are busy. Mm. It's very, very common. So, you, or do you say prayers? Do you do your meditation? Yeah, you do. But a lot of times you are so busy doing whatever 
you know. Um, but because the proximity of the master, you know, and the and the, the seva to the master, that is the japa, that is the prayer, you know, that is the sadhana that, that you're doing. You know, so like like one time um, the, we had a small temple in Hyattsville, Maryland, and my Guruji, because I'm sort of mechanically inclined, the, the, it was falling apart. There was every, you know, every kind of problem was happening with the building. So they sent me out there to repair the building. And when I was there, I, I had just a short window, maybe eight days. I probably slept maximum three hours a night. The rest of the time, 100% working. Carpentry, plumbing, electrical, flooring, you name it, I was fixing it. I mean, the building was just falling apart. The people who were in the building had no mechanical sense at all. But to tell you a, a, an interesting note, there were, there were occasionally uh, times where I didn't know how to do the mechanical repair. And I would simply stop say a prayer to Guruji and say, Guruji, I have no idea how to repair this. I, this is a project I've never done before. And I'd sit maybe 10, 15 minutes, you know, in a prayer, like a divine phone call. <laughs> and all of a sudden, into my head, I knew exactly how to do the repair work. Did the repair work flawlessly, and that was it. So all kinds of stuff like that happens. I mean, something I simply didn't know how to do the repair work. And just with a prayer, the knowledge came... I did the repair, everything worked perfectly. So, there's a, a living connection between guru and disciple. There's a living connection. You know. I have a quick question for you. Mm. I thank you for all you shared as well. Um, so, you made a few distinctions about speculation and sanctification, or maybe and knowing. Yeah. How would you um, distinguish the two? for our own journeys of living our own extraordinary lives? Okay, that's a, that's, I, that's a very good question. Thank you. Speculation is part of human nature. Curiosity is part of human that's nature. Fine. You have to know what to trust. My first statement is just trust the scriptures. Really, trust the scriptures. Trust your own conscience. Say a prayer and ask God to inform you. See? And you always remember the thing, God's will and God's way. So when you're studying scripture, be looking for God's will and how God wants things done. Because otherwise your, your clever ego will tell you how you want to do it. <laughs> and you have to be watching the scriptures as a model of how God wants to do it. And that will happen through his saints. See? Mm. So always watch the rishis, always watch the saints and their behavior, and then emulate it. See? So that will give you the first level of approaching direct, correct knowledge. Direct, correct knowledge. Okay? Is by studying the saints, watching the behaviors of the, of the saints and how they do things. Then, prayer, mantra, meditation. Have to become part of your daily bread. Can you say this again? <laughs> Prayer, mantra, meditation. And, and for an indeterminate amount of time. Think of this as a life practice. Not like, oh, I'll do it, and then I'll back off. Oh, I'll do it, and I'll back off. No, forget about that. 
You know, do it like you take your breath. You don't, you don't decide, I'm not going to breathe today. See? Like that. By, by doing that and being serious about it, it sort of sends up a flare where God says, okay, this soul is becoming a little bit serious. Let's now attend to him a little bit more. When, when the kids are playing in the garden, heaven sits back and lets you play in the garden. You know, heaven will let you be. But when you say, I really, really want to know, and actually starting to apply the science of the sages, then heaven says, okay, this person's now a little serious. Let's send them some help. Okay? So various types of opportunities will start showing up in your life when you get serious. Heaven will provide the next step. But first, study some scriptures. Then, application. And then, patience. Heaven will definitely show up. But not on your clock. On God's clock. See? It'll happen. I'm telling you, this guy, Hari Charan, is nothing special. Nothing special at all. That should be my biography. Nothing special. See? I just simply, you know, tried to apply what the saints were saying and did it in a serious manner. Serious means you're willing to sacrifice. How many people have gotten university educations? Correct. Did you sacrifice for that? Did you put aside some hockey games for that? Did you say some, to your, some of your friends, hey, I can't make it tonight, i got to study? Now you're applying for the highest condition. Don't you think you have to make some sacrifices? You know, your girlfriend comes by and you say, honey, not tonight. I've got to say my prayers. You have to make the boys come by and they want to go out for beer. Say, guys, I'm sorry. You know, between 12 and midnight, I'm sitting with God. You know, I can't be out in the club. Between 12 and midnight. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, you... you you sacrifice for your university education. You sacrifice for your job. What about God? Don't you think you have to sacrifice for God? To stand with the, the sages? Don't you think you have to sacrifice for a place to stand with them? See? A common way of saying it is pay the price of admission. See? If you want to stand with such souls, don't you think you have to acquire some of the culture of those souls. If you don't know this culture of those souls, how do you find out? Study the scriptures. See, If you want to be even deeper informed as to what the scriptures are saying, do prayer, do mantra, do meditation, because that will clarify your vision. That will give you direct insight. So you'll know. Then you'll start to meet yogis. Then you'll start to meet saints. Then you'll meet masters. See, And once you meet... The, 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 those rishis, that's those saints, are a sanctified community. Pray to serve that community. Pray for the opportunity to serve that sanctified community. The way you learn the culture of the saints is by serving them. If you don't serve them, you have no idea of their culture. See? This family here. They're on their way to God. This family there. Those blessings are coming. See? Because they're doing some service. You know? The deeper, the sincere, the more prolonged the service, the greater the opportunities come. 
That is for every human being. But the price of the kingdom is sacrifice. Sacrifice and love are synonyms. Mm. They're synonyms. Sacrifice and love are synonyms. They are the same thing. True love and true sacrifice, exactly the same thing. So, it depends on what residence you want. If you want the earth, you can be here as long as you want. If you want the eternal kingdom, there's a way. There's a way. It depends on where you want to be. Heaven will impose nothing upon you, but heaven will create every opportunity for you. But it will impose nothing on you. God gave you free will. You can face the sun or turn your back to it. It's entirely up to you. You can travel towards it or travel under the ground away from it. It's entirely up to you. Heaven will not force you. You have to choose God. You have to choose the saints. You have to choose the way. And then the way will be made. Once you choose it. See, we choose our mother, our brother, our sister, our friend, our job. We choose that. And, oh, God, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'll make it on the weekend to the temple. You know? You know? Where is your priority? Where is your priority? Why are, the, why are the yogis always like this? Because that's their first priority. They wake up in the morning and the prayers are there. The afternoon sun comes, the prayers are there. The evening sun comes, the prayers are there. It's their priority. So be very honest. Where is your priorities? See? The children come. Okay, okay, okay. All the time going there. It's, you can do both. You can be a loving parent and a yogi. You can do both. But you have to you have to prioritize. By knowing that I if I if I do this and sit for my prayers, when I when I approach my child, it'll be with so much more. It'll be mm. so much more that you bring. Even if you spend one moment. You've given so much more to that child because you filled your cup with something from God. See? As opposed to running around and your cup is filled with, you know, chaos. So when you run to your child, what are you serving the kid psychically? You're, you're serving your own chaos as opposed to becoming a sanctified vessel and then touching your child. What do you think now you've given the child? See? So first things first. First things first. God first. <coughs> God first and mean it. God before your wife. See? God before your children. God before everything. Who, who, what is the essence of your wife other than God? What is the essence of your child other than God? Who gave you your wife? Who gave you your child? Who gave you your shelter? So why are you saying God later? See? Think about it deeply. Where did all that come from? God gave it to you. Nothing you... You didn't create any of it. You didn't create any of it. It all came from that reality. So, serve the kingdom. If you serve the kingdom, you serve everything. You serve everything. Everything will grow. See, so, be very clear on your analysis. It's usually later, God. Unfortunate. That's why the planet is full of human beings. See? Heaven is open admission. If you apply yourself, if you put God first. Jesus said, let thy eye be single. Absolutely right. Let thy eye be single. See God first. Serve God first. Everything else will be taken care of. See? The yogis 
our minds, our hearts, our bodies, we give. That's it. It's, it. We don't have possession of it. It's not ours. Ours is only to make our attention fixed on the reality and our minds, our hearts, our bodies to do. To do as God's will. That's it. That's it. See? We give it all. As Jesus gave it all. When Master Buddha reached the liberation, he could have just entered the cosmic reality. But he chose to serve. Again, again, a great sacrifice. See? All of his time was given back to humanity. To lift this humanity. See? The fineness with all the great avatars and all the great saints and masters. They give it all. See? Mm. Any other thoughts or questions? <laughs> So just just remember, book closed. The door is open for you. The door is open, and that's for sure. But you have to have the determination to pass through the door. It's there for every soul. You know, if you see like a master like Sadhguru Sankeshavadas, night and day, night and day praying for people, assisting people directly and hiddenly, you know, absorbing their wounds onto his own flesh, working things out. I could tell you the most extraordinary stories. So when you're with these souls, understand everything is possible. There's no limitation. It's just what are you looking for? What are you asking? Are you asking for some paltry material thing? My God, ask for the kingdom. If you're with these souls, ask for the kingdom, you know. Don't ask for something paltry, you know. You've had 10,000 wives. You've had 10,000 husbands. You've had 10,000 jobs. You've had 10,000 homes. What are you asking for that stuff for? Mm. There's only one kingdom, only one reality. Mm. Everything else, you've had 10,000 children, you know. Your, your children is not a unique event in your existence. That is unique. That reality is unique. Ask for that. Ask for that. Ask for God knowledge. You know, direct, personal, intimate. See? With that, all the children are your children. All the parents are your parents. See? All the homes are your home. See? It's yours. It's all yours. It's all yours in a beneficence. Sanctified beneficence. Any other questions before we close? Then what I'd like to do um, is... Do you need water? I have to go. Okay, then we'll just chant uh, a Guru Mantra 12 times and then close. Om Gum Guru Vyo Namaha. So with your spine erect, Om Bhum Maha. That's the praise of the Guru, that reality, that great master. So you take a deep breath in. Om Bhum Namaha.
then gently take a breath in. And the eyes can open and return to common consciousness.